0: Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.
1: Talking to some people who were at the game yesterday. And speaking of the game yesterday, as you guys can probably tell, that is not Scott next to me today. Um, He is in transit back from attending the game in London, and he saw a good one. So we're welcomed once again for these morning shows by Eric Trickle. Eric, God bless you uh, for doing these morning shows. We appreciate you. Happy uh, 5.30 a.m. wake-up call for you.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely it definitely makes for long days for me because getting a nap at this point is just out of it. I got to get around to getting work done for getting articles and content up. But uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here and, you know, I don't sleep anyways, so may as well do something with my time.
1: Yeah, and it's much more if there's a day to kind of miss uh, a little bit of sleep. I feel like it is today, you know, coming off of a fun, uh, I'll even say, I'll say it, fun <laughs> Broncos victory yesterday. It was a good game. Overall, I was thoroughly entertained, which I have not been uh, by the Broncos for, it feels like a few weeks now. And then we still got the juicy trade rumors uh, coming in here. It seems like things might be pushing that way, but curious to see what Eric uh, has to say about that and curious to see what you guys have to say about the game yesterday and also the trade rumors that are starting to populate here. So let's say hello to some people in the chat here real quick. And uh, we got Dave Glassman kicking us off here with the hearts. Good morning to you, Dave, Dave with the. Orange and blue hearts, of course, is always good to see Dave. Bama X in the house saying, good morning, Broncos country. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. We got our guy, Colin Woods saying, since I couldn't see the game, they win. Maybe I should stop watching altogether. Colin, I have to believe that you're, you not watching the game doesn't have any impact on it. Because as you guys know, I am like 0-9 in games I've attended live. And that's just coincidence, right? If, if it happened like 100 times, maybe we might need to look into something. But... Uh, you miss one game, they win. I think you're safe to tune in. Uh, we got our guys, Ethan, our guy, Ethan, coming in, man. I always love to hear from Ethan. Ethan is a, Eric, I don't know how much you are aware of Ethan, but he is one of our stalwarts uh, on the uh, the morning shows out there in London. Also, sometimes I think back in Minnesota, uh, but saying good afternoon, gents in Broncos country. Good to see you, Ethan. Uh, sunny days coming in here with the uh, <laughs> the nerd smiling. That's that's me. That's a picture of me. Uh, the coffee, the thumbs up and the hearts. Good to see you. Chase Welner coming in saying that was a great day of football. It really was a good day of football, Eric. Uh, before we get in a little further, almost, I, I mean, it's pretty early in the season still to kind of start thinking playoff, playoff scenarios. But like, it felt like every single game the Broncos needed to go a certain way for them to have like a chance at the playoffs at the end of the year went the way it needed to for Denver.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't know. I didn't pay attention to any of the, the other games after Denver. It was an early morning for me. I woke up not feeling so well. And after the game jumped on, did the pod with Chad. And then I, I went to bed and tried to get a nap in though with a five-year-old that was out the window. Um So I didn't pay yeah. attention. I didn't notice anything, but Hey, if it all went good for the Broncos that they can still potentially make the playoffs with how they, their start was. That's great to hear.
1: Yeah. I think the only game where, and it's again, we're way too early to really start getting specifics in the scenarios, but like the teams that, would be good for Denver to lose. Mostly lost. Uh, the Patriots came back and beat the Jets. Obviously, both those teams could lose. That'd be good for Denver. Uh, we had a lot of AFC teams faltering. The the Raiders got blanked twenty four to zero, which hilarious. I'm very upset that the Broncos lost to them, but hopefully we'll rectify that in Denver. The only game I can think of that uh, would have been better for Denver to go the other way was Miami pulled it out in Detroit uh, and won that game. But I know we're sitting here at three and five, but it seems like there's a massive. Uh, middle class, middle class, a dearth of teams sitting around 500. So season's not over yet. Even if the Broncos uh, do end up making a move and trading for Bradley Chubb, you know, you put together a couple of wins here and you, got, you put yourself in position uh to a small chance still, uh, but put yourself in a position to uh, maybe, maybe make the playoffs by the end of the season, or at least be in the picture. We got James Hyatt coming in saying, hello, Broncos country. Hey, Ethan saw you yesterday talking with Scott. Oh man, Ethan met Scott too. That's awesome. Yeah. That was so cool.
2: He made a uh, uh, appearance on the show too with with Scott kind of uh, had him pan over and show Ethan in the background a little bit and yesterday. So that was kind of cool.
1: That is awesome. Uh, I was, I've been busy with family stuff and wedding stuff. So watched the game yesterday, but then immediately back to seeing my family who I don't know when I'll see them again, but uh, we got uh, Mark coming in here saying, wow. A score when we needed it. Maybe that's the start of something good. Eric, I know that we don't believe that momentum carries over year to year. Uh, People are always like, oh, you need to close out the year strong because then, you know, you can start next year better. There's so much time in between. The team changes. The scheme changes. There's no such thing as momentum from one season to the next unless you're like building upon good players themselves. But the actual in-game momentum doesn't exist. But I do think there is something to momentum, belief, confidence going into the bye, getting that win, kind of getting a monkey off their back, so to speak, and then uh, maybe reinvigorating them. I mean, let's say the Broncos lose this game and then they go into the bye. Are people going to be going in, you know, that extra 10 minutes early to work on the tape or push pushing out that extra rep uh, or doing the, you know, the little bit extra stretching to make sure they're good? I, it's hard to say they wouldn't, but like human nature, when you're sitting there two and six, You're probably starting to think about, okay, well, this offseason, I'm planning to go to Mexico or I got my brother's wedding coming up, blah, blah, blah. You get this win. Still still sitting there three and five. But I think that everybody's maybe a little bit more bought in uh, and the intensity and the focus is maybe hyped up or uh, ratcheted up a little bit.
2: Yeah, as I was talking about yesterday, I think that it's great for the morale in the locker room because we were hearing about the fissures that were starting to form. And, you know, KG Hamler in that post game interview with Russell Wilson jumping on his back kind of shut down some of those. And, you know, a win, when fissures start to form, a win is perfect. It's much needed because those fissures start to shrink a little bit. Everything's perfect when you're winning. When you're losing, that's when things get bad. And so that helps there, and that helps right into the bye week to help build off that, build that momentum, keep that confidence going in. Even though you're going up against Tennessee on the East Coast in an early morning game where the Broncos have struggled, especially over recent years, like having that extra confidence, that extra morale boost coming off the victory, even against the Jags is great to see. And that is something that does carry over at least game to game. Although I'm, I'm with you. I don't believe it really carries over season to season.
1: No, yeah, definitely not season to season. I think that's a tired narrative where people sell that to, you know, complain about people like, ah, you know, these last games don't matter. No, they do matter. Uh, But one thing about the Titans game, that's still two weeks away and we'll have plenty of time uh, to peel back that onion. But I do believe the Titans play, at Kansas city for Sunday night football next week. So that does kind of set up nicely for the Broncos. Now, granted the chiefs aren't the most physical team. It's not like the Titans are going to come in battered. Uh, Cause they went up against, you know, the Josh Allen bills running around there, but uh, they could be, maybe be a little tired. Oh, and also, you know, obviously less time to prepare. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, maybe the start of something good, Let's just get things going. Get some belief back in that building. Um, Maybe some high knees down the aisles here. I'm about to do some James. Jason Walton coming in here saying good morning, Broncos country. Breakfast always tastes a little better after a W. Breakfast coffee today. Uh, Good. Happy to you guys. Eric, are you a (laughs) coffee drinker? I cannot remember.
2: No, but I'm convinced that you and Scott missing all these shows is just a secret play to get me to like coffee because I actually have coffee today. Good for you. You are frozen. All right, well, Nick figures this out. Um, KB82 coming in with a ninety nine donation. Saying, well, then. Tur- Nick, you are frozen up before us.
1: I'm here again. I don't know what happened. Okay, there
2: you go. And
1: you're gone. Okay. <laughs> in the house as well. Oh, my God, what is going on?
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world.
2: All right. Greg Smith coming in saying good morning Broncos for breakfast. Good morning to you, Greg. Hope you're having a wonderful morning after a Broncos win. Um, We have Savage Boy Kev coming in. Got to give a shout out to our Twitch followers saying, how do you guys feel the tackles played yesterday? They played all right. Not great. Um, Billy Turner definitely had some issues, which we knew coming in that Billy Turner would have his issues. He has every single year. He's much better inside than he is at tackle Calvin Anderson. We kind of saw why he didn't want to why the Broncos were kind of hesitant to get him out there on the field. And he also gets our voice guy also says, can we please get Kareem traded since this is his last year been underwhelming for me. Um, I mean, you're not selling me very well. I mean, this is something that Scott says all the time when I do get to sh- do the shows on him is, or when we talk behind the scenes or anything, it's like, if you want to trade somebody, you got to sell me on him and saying that he's been underwhelming for you. That's not a good way to sell him. Um, he's a veteran. He's in his thirties. He's on the wrong side of 30. Um, hasn't been playing well and that's the on the final year that's not going to get them traded i think we're kind of stuck with them till the end of the season um we'll see what happens as this goes on um let's see here we have lawrence rivera saying what's up guys i love the win but it was still a two and five team we were trailing and we were trailing there was a lot of improvement man does it look nasty i mean i say it a lot that it was an ugly win but there's really no such thing as an ugly win a win is a win um but you're definitely right. There were still a lot of issues for this team, even though we did see some improvements from them. This is a team that still had five three and outs on offense. Um, even after they got the ball going, they had, I believe, two three and outs on in the first half, and then they had three in the second half. So it's still there's still work that needs to be done. We saw what could happen when you get the offense go, when the offense is clicking together, when you have Russell Wilson willing to do what the play calls are, and you know the tempo speeds up for him. We saw that when the process speeds up for him. We saw the beauty of the scheme, the passing concepts that Denver runs, when you have a quarterback that's able to do it and execute all that. So it was great to see. And there was, I mean, the defense um, stepped up. I've had a lot of issues with the defense, not that they were a bad unit, but it was a thing of good defenses keep games close. Great defenses can close it out, and we were having that issue where the defense couldn't, you know, always close out, you know, games and everything. So that was one which you what issue with me, but Hey, it was a win. It was a good win. There was a lot to be positive about. So just gotta, just gotta be positive and hope that things continue to click as you know, we go forward.
1: And uh, I'm doing my best here. Um, i think I'm far away from the router at my parents' house. So uh, I guess there's a chance I could pop out again. If that happens, I might be moving to a area where I am less uh, visible, but uh, what can you do? Um, Coach Chris coming in here saying while we walked out within $20 coach, Chris, thank you so much. Uh, saying, while we walked out with a win, I still feel like a loss. Oh, man. Even the commentators said, with all the talent on the outside of our offense, we aren't playing to our potential. There were multiple plays that were missed by Russ. Yeah, let's just call it as it is. Uh, Russell Wilson had a poor game, um, and he had some missed throws. Uh, I'm really shocked about how much the cerebral side of the game seems to be struggling for Russell Wilson right now. Now, I got to admit, I didn't live and die with every single play with Russell at Seattle, but for a 33-year-old quarterback with – the weapons he has. I mean, it seems like he's having issues hanging in the pocket and getting to the reads and kind of lock. I mean, the first play of the game, I'm throwing it to Sutton, no matter what, uh, there was a play that was a dump off where KJ Hamler had room to roam, uh, doing a crossing route and he dumps it off to the running back. And it's just, he, I don't know if he's reading the defense. Well, I don't know if he understands the offense completely. Uh, it's been head scratching. And I thought that the, I know that he was keeping the shoulder warm to keeping it from tightening up on this one, or I guess it was technically the lat, but, uh, do you make anything of Russell struggling with the, the actual concept of the offense and making the proper progressions? Because it seems that, that's what it seems like to me.
2: Well, when even before he was traded out of Seattle, there was word coming out of Seattle that some of the issues with him, why they couldn't, you know, fully go into the, you know, Russell Wilson pocket passer quarterback that he wants to be, is because he doesn't do go through reads with good timing, which is why they wanted to roll him out. They wanted to cut the field in half. They wanted to make high low reads just simplify things from him because he does struggle with that. That's what the reports were. And that seems to be what we're seeing. The more there is that he has to read the worse off he does. And there is a lot of predetermination before the snap. And we saw that we did see that in Seattle as well. This is who I'm going to before the snap. That's who he goes to for Denver. It's not working out because there's just so many other things in play here. Offensive line his panicking with the offensive line. um, Not sitting, not Sometimes when they do this, it's not always the best route. His miss pre-snap reads, things like that. There's so many issues going into it that that's part of the reason why they got to go away from what Russell Wilson wants to be and go towards what he can do and just help it be better. Because when we saw this offense start to click, it was simplified reads that they started doing. They made things really simple for him and for the offense in general that they can go out there and execute. And Dan Orlovsky during the, um, uh, the broadcast kept talking about it. That there's high school concepts that they were struggling with, and they still had to go a little bit easier than that for them to start being effective. And I didn't get this, and, and then KB came in with a dollar ninety nine, saying, "We'll then bench Cushion, start Glasgow from now on. They should after de- after Glasgow came in, you saw improvement from the offensive line. Still not a great unit. Mm-hmm. You just saw improvement from it because you're going from absolutely terrible to just a little not not as bad." Um, you're able to do a little bit more with your blocking up front and spread them out instead of having to dictate or uh, dedicate one of your guards to helping Cushenberry every single play of the game. Because at least with Glasgow, you can trust him to win his one-on-ones.
1: And not get driven back uh, into the lap of the quarterback. I don't understand how PFF grades these guys. Uh, Cushenberry had a really high passing grade uh, coming into this game, at least from what I remembered. But, I mean, I guess he's staying on his guy, but he's getting pushed right into Russell Wilson's lap. So, you won the rep. Yeah, The guy didn't get around you. He just went through you. Um, We got Greg Smith coming in saying good morning, everyone. Ernie Mays, hello, Nick and Eric go Broncos. Nice win. Uh, We also got Holy Diver saying, okay, Nick does, uh, Nick going hatless. I guess he does have hair. Yes, I do. Um, Brother-in-law does not have as much hair, so you got to show it off sometimes. Um, We got official Andrew coming in here saying, hey, Nick, good morning. Hello, Eric, too. Let's go Broncos and happy Halloween. Alex in the house. Let's go Broncos. Alessandro saying good day, everyone. Happy Halloween. Absolutely. Uh, we got Andrew Baker saying morning fan. That first half was worrisome, but the boys won. Yeah, I'm glad the I thought and I think it was oh God. some other people in Denver media was like, man, we're going to really find out about this team because it would be really easy to lay down and die uh, after that terrible uh, start to the game. Let's we'll just call it as we see it. And uh, the Broncos fought back and won. I mean, that first half, Eric, was about as bad of a half of football as I can remember since. Last week, no, the indie game though. That's honestly, it felt like the indie game with the penalties as well, um, horrible terrible throws. I mean, I guess the Broncos didn't put the ball on the turf, but what what happened? Uh, is there anything besides Glasgow that happened in the second half that got things really starting to click? I mean, the Broncos had a 98 yard drive, their best since I think 2014, uh, from what I remember. Uh, anything changed besides just the Cushenberry out, Glasgow in, and also we were tough on Cushenberry in here. Never good to see an injury out there. Hope he recovers and hope he's uh, doing okay today and on the uh, the road to recovery because that looked like he was in pain, and that just makes made me sick to my stomach seeing him in so much pain out there.
2: Yeah. Um, one good thing, too, from this offense that I saw is that when they did sustain drives because they had that touchdown drive in the second quarter as well, the drives weren't continued on by penalties. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a single penalty to give them a first down or anything on any of those drives as much as I can remember. But when they did switch it up, it was – it was a lot of just here's your one or two reads for Russell Wilson. You just go make that one or two reads after the snap, and then you hit your guy. There was a lot of simple route, con- um, simplified r- route concepts that you ha- still had a hack twist to it. Um, one of them was it was sticks, and instead of you know running that shallow crosser you have Hamler running a hook route that really just opened up Dulcich down the middle, down the seam that was, went for a big gain and they just kept exploiting things like that. Having these not quite rub routes or pick routes, but these routes that just add more thinking to the defense that were just really simple for the offense to go out there and read and execute, making one read. All right. Does this defender stick with Dulcich or does he stick with hamler? Well, he stuck with hamler. So we saw Russell Wilson hit Dulcich down the, down the sideline. Um, So making things a little bit easier while still being able to do what you want to do and letting a quarterback too do what he wants to, because he was able to be a pocket passer in those instances. That's great to see. And that's what really led the offense to being more effective in that second half.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, good to see, man. Dulcich, I'm going to have to eat a little bit of hat on that one because I thought for sure it was going to take some time for him to get going. Not that I disliked the, the pick or anything. But uh, given he was injured, given he was a tight end, given the historical precedent uh, set by tight ends, you being drafted, you know, typically takes two to three years. And then he missed a lot of the offseason to be this competent uh, in the offense. And this utilizing the offense is probably one of the most shocking uh, things that have occurred uh, for the Broncos this offseason in a positive or in this season in a positive way. Uh, we got Mandango Dan coming in saying good victory Monday, Broncos country. Thankfully, it was Scott and not Nick at the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Benjamin Flores saying, hey, what's up, fellas? Happy Victory Monday and happy Halloween to you. Good to see ya." We got Kathy coming in saying, hey, guys, good morning from Germany. Uh, Guten Tag, I believe is probably right. Good day. Uh, I read that the Dolphins, the Jets offered a first round pick for Chubb. Uh, you trade him for that, right? Even that we won and he's playing the best season as a Bronco. A couple things on this one. So it was Peter King uh, who originally mentioned the First-round pick coming from the Dolphins and the Jets. Uh, They didn't say what year the first-round pick would be. I think that's maybe something to consider as well. But also, the Broncos still trade Chubb despite winning. I'm pretty sure the Broncos traded Von Miller last year after a win. Uh, I think they won, and then they shipped off Von Miller. Like George Payton didn't take the, oh, we won, we still have a chance going on there. And they ended up trading Von Miller to the Rams and then getting absolutely just ran out uh, by the Cleveland Browns on Thursday night football. But uh, what do you think here, Eric? Have you heard this as well? Any other teams we should be looking out for? And is the first round pick enough for you?
2: So with Peter King's report, it was a little shocking to see the jets there. They were one team that I haven't heard. I personally hadn't heard mentioned. And then the dolphins, they seem to be like that part of that second grouping of teams that they're interested, but their offer just doesn't seem to much. The two teams that were, that stood out the most were the Giants and the Vikings. And the word was is because there's been that report that one team has offered a first round pick. And from what I've heard, it was one of those two teams, the Jets or the the Giants or the Vikings. Um, So I'd expect them to still be in it. I mean, with the Giants, when I was asking around about that, I was told that uh, it was made clear to me that when your best pass rusher is your nose tackle, who has more pressures than your top two edges combined, then yeah, you're going to be looking for edge help. And then with the Vikings, they're just don't have the depth there right now. It's only Zedaria Smith is the only consistent pass rusher. Um, Hunter is struggling a little bit, so they want to add more help there. So that that definitely makes sense. I'd assume that the first round pick that if the Broncos are taking it, it's going to be this year. Uh, That's my, that's my assumption is that if you're throwing in the first round pick, they want it to be this year where they don't have a pick until the third round. And I think if they get that if they get a hard offer with the first round pick this year I think they take it.
1: Uh would it just be a first round pick or would there be a couple other picks thrown in like a first this year and a third or a first this year and a 2023 20, second? I mean is there is it just the one this year because I mean we heard that Brian Burns was offered two first round picks which a little bit younger healthier uh, than Chubb has been I believe at least. Um uh, yeah. there was the draft after Chubb I think. Yes. And uh, I also think it came out as a junior. Um but uh, any, is it just the first round pick or is it, Would there be a little bit more
2: from what I've heard is that there is more to it. Um, I've heard that there is a day two pick and a day three pick involved in some of these offers that are being talked about along with either a first or second round pick.
1: That'd be great. Um, Denver needs to chip away. It's really unfortunate uh, that the Broncos might trade Chubb because he is having a great season and he's really the only power edge rusher they have right now. I, I guess they use Draymond Jones at the seven technique spot so much that if they want to replicate power, uh, they've been doing that in some different looks out there. Uh, Not the wide nine or seven, but still hand in the dirt and doing some power edge stuff play there. But uh, we got Savage Boy Kev coming in here on Twitch. Shout out to our Twitch users saying uh, uh, the play where uh, Russell Wilson threw the ball between KJ Hamler and Greg Dolcich, who was running the wrong route. I don't think either player was running the wrong route. I think that it was such a long developing pass between the two of them that they both, had time to converge, uh, try to converge on where the ball was going. Uh, it was a awesome throw in terms of strength, maybe not the most accurate. Uh, if he threw it more to one of the guys specifically, rather than between both of them, maybe that guy is still running right now. But uh, I don't think it was a wrong route uh, seeing it from the aerial view.
2: Yeah, it wasn't. It was from what we've seen of, them, of the Broncos passing concepts before. It's something that they've run before. It is just an instance, as Nick said, that it was a little bit longer developing and the past took, um, it took a little bit longer to get to the past because there was some pressure and you saw Russell Wilson dance around a little bit that it just ended up where they're both in the same vicinity, which happens sometimes.
1: Yeah, 100% and Cristiano coming in here out there in Brazil. Uh, Cristiano, I was thinking about you yesterday with all the, uh, actually, I was thinking about you with all the uh, Brazil election stuff going on, so not to talk politics in here, but Crazy times in this world. Uh, Russ played one of his better games yesterday, but watching it made me feel more strongly about him being part of the problem. It's hard to say exactly who is the biggest problem. Offensive line is a huge issue. I think Russ is probably honestly more offensive line dependent than your average franchise franchise quarterback, uh, given his height and how important the run game is for him to be successful. So that's definitely a huge part of it. Hackett also being a part of it. But I mean, yeah, Russ... Russell's been a problem. He's been missing reads. Guys are open. Uh, He's sometimes he's too greedy in the pocket. Sometimes there's room to step up and climb the ladder in the pocket and he's not doing it. He's dumping it off. So I, I don't know right now. I feel like he's not playing super confident. Uh, There's a couple of times yesterday where he took off and credit to him. He took off and made some plays with his legs, which you have to be able to do in today's NFL, especially if you're playing like Russell Wilson but it's definitely labored right now with the, the hamstring Uh, he's definitely not, doesn't got the same giddy up. So hopefully another uh, the bye week and everything gives him a little bit more time to get healthier. So you can add that dimension, but he's definitely it probably he's probably the biggest reason the Broncos offense is struggling right now. I'll just call it as it is because he's the quarterback quarterback. It's too much of the blame and too much of the credit, uh, depending on which way the game result is.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I'm when I watch this game and you know how important quarterbacks are to, to it, Russ is definitely part of the problem. Is he the biggest issue? I've been leaning yes, but it's not like a significant bigger part of it. I'd probably put about 30% on him, and I, I really hate doing stuff like this, and about 25% on Hackett, and the rest of it is split out on wide receiver drops, the offensive line, the running lack of running game. You know, It's spread out outside of that. Um, but he's definitely being a big issue because part of it is this offense is designed by him. I mean, not just him, it's with Hackett, but it's what he wants to do. And when your offensive line is struggling, then moving the pocket is a one way to take the pressure off of them. And it's not what he wants to do, so they don't do it. There's been some rumblings that they've called some plays to do that, and he just checks out of it because it's not what he wants to do, which that was an issue going back to Seattle. Everybody knows that infamous you know interception on the goal line. Well, the reports have come out that that was a run play that he checked out of. Um, they're going to head it to Marshawn Lynch, but he wanted to throw it because he wanted to be the hero. And um, just that's what the report was. So that could that's part of the issue there. And then it's just the pre-snap reads locking onto a receiver. Like, those are all things that it doesn't matter what you do with the scheme. doesn't matter what the offensive line does. If you are locking, making a receiver or picking what receiver you're throwing to without even reading a defense, then that's on you. That's going to be a big issue for this offense, which ha- it has been. And that's 100% on the quarterback. That's 100% their fault. And that's where a lot of the issues on this offense in the passing game anyways are coming from.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of it would be alleviated if the offensive line was better and they could run the football Um, right now. It feels like their best running play is the rugby scrum with Latavius Murray, which is just an (laughs) abomination uh, to watch, especially watching Travis Etienne on the other side, you know, slice through the line and then explode for those second level yards. Uh, man, we haven't had that all season. It feels like, but, uh, Michael Ronquillo coming in here saying, good morning, Nick and Eric and Bronco on Broncos for breakfast, happy victory Monday, Broncos country, Broncos country. That's right. Uh, we got Lord of Liberty coming in here as well. I don't recognize this name. So uh, welcome in Lord of Liberty saying giants and Vikings are both having good years. So a number one pick would be in the low twenties. Is that worth giving up on Chubb? Uh, the thing with Chubb, and this is something that Eric and I have talked about off the show before is that I, I'm a big, I really like uh, Bradley Chubbing he's a very good player. Broncos country. It's kind of weird. The same people who are you know, calling him a bust and a waste of space are now uh, saying you can't trade him no matter what. Uh, such is life of a uh, live and breathe diehard sometimes, I guess. But uh, is it worth giving up a Chubb for a 20th overall pick? Maybe. I think the biggest question is, do you plan to keep Chubb here long-term? I think Eric and I talked about it before. If it's not Eric and I, then it was Scott and I saying, if I have any doubts about uh, the package that I could receive for Bradley Chubb, I might approach him first with a contract offer that is slightly low-balled, at least in, in terms of uh, what his, his market wants or what he thinks the market should be. And if he takes that, you're, I think you're getting a good return on value and you can't have too many quality edge rushers. So I offer that first before um, trading him. And the Broncos also have uh, positioned themselves in a in a way where they can live without Chubb uh they set themselves up for life after Chubb paying Randy Gregory Jonathan Cooper as a, a depth guy as a seventh round pick looks like a fourth round pick caliber of edge rusher uh you have Nick Benito who still has a long way to go but as you're like third edge rusher I think there's a lot of talent there for him to be your pass rush only kind of edge rusher not but don't put him out there and run run situations but pass rush only you can get some value with him as his uh speed rush uh speed rusher a little bit more finesse side Baron Browning looked like they leap in truth uh, when he was out there at edge of the season needs to work on the offsides, but we can nitpick later on. And uh, again, Randy Gregory looked good when he was healthy. So I feel like George Payton already set up this roster in a way to move on from Bradley Chubb in the off season. And now you just might be speeding up that process given where your season has gone and the, uh, the return you could get by trading him.
2: Yeah. I mean, and on top of that is I have more concerns about the edge room because of the injuries of this of these players i mean randy gregory can't stay healthy two years in baron browning is constantly dealing with a new injury what feels like every other week um and then nick benito what are we going to get out of him he's a great athlete and we see it on the field but he still isn't a football player and he relies on that athleticism so much that you want to see him develop the football aspect of it and we haven't seen that so even with John, Jonathan Cooper surprising, if you trade Chubb or you know Chubb doesn't th- isn't there, you still need to bring somebody else in to try and help out that edge room. But on the other on the flip side of things, as I talked about yesterday a little bit, you have two pass rushers on this team that are about to be free agents. You can only franchise tag one of them, and trading Chubb now it alleviates the pressure to rush through a deal with Draymond Jones. And that gives you the option of franchise tagging Draymond Jones to give you more time to work with him. So it also depends for me. Is it worth it in a, a pick in the twenties? Depends on what else is there, but Eileen, yes, because giving yourself that a little bit of freedom financially, um, even what the, everybody talks about the new Walmart owners that all this money that they have and everything. Yeah. That's a big boost and everything. And it helps you really work around the salary cap aspect of it. But, Denver still has a lot of contracts that are going to, you know, take, need to be extended, get that big money deals, Draymond Jones being one of them. And if you bring Chubb back and Draymond Jones back, it really limits how you can work on rebuilding this offensive line. That I think that they're at the point where they want to essentially tear it down and start over in the front office. If this coaching staff stays, I think they're all in agreement. After this year, they're tearing down this offensive line. I think that there's only two players that will stay garrett Bowles and um quinn Miners and garrett bulls i think i was on with you nick where you asked yeah. me about it where and i was pretty confident that he would get next year at least i'm less confident in that um even with the injury that he, he would get next year i think that they want to take a look at his contract take a look at his play and see if they can't figure out something there there's been some rumblings about the issues with him but bringing Chubb back having draymond jones that hurts your ability to rebuild that offense line, as I was saying, and those picks, those can help too.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's losing Chubb would hurt a lot. Like I keep saying, I'm a big fan of him. I liked him when they drafted him. I felt like he was an adult in the room when they came in. He kind of brings them an edge as well, which uh, you always want to have on that defensive line. You know, kind of, I really liked the, we all love Von Miller, but Von Miller is a little bit, you know, happy-go-lucky, you know, sometimes where Chubb came in and was like, business uh which i appreciated um in the locker room they brought him in but <clears throat> if you can get a first round pick and uh you'd free up 20 million per year next year as well cuz not trading Chubb or keeping say you don't trade Chubb you're probably in a position then where you either have to tag him or sign out a contract because playing for the third round comp pick is a terrible return on investment mm-hmm. if you're playing for this season you can live with that i think cuz you're you know you'd rather have the good player but I think you need to be thinking about the next, how do we get where we want to be the next three years um, over this duration of Russell Wilson's contract, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't think it's just uh, the offensive line as well, Eric. I think that the Broncos need to be also probably looking at another tight end um, before, you know, how anti-tight end I was coming into this season. (laughs) Now seeing how Russell Wilson is playing, I think it's really important to force the other team to play in base and to play in, a single high world. And I think doing that via personnel is a way that they can live with that. And it actually opens up things more for Russell Wilson. So getting a tight end who can be the attached to the line of scrimmage type of player versus Dulcich, where he can be your move piece, I think would help this offense a lot. Uh, and maybe even also uh, bringing in another wide receiver. If in the off season, the market changes and you do decide to move on from Hamler and Judy, just because Hamler and Judy are not being traded right now, folks, doesn't mean they are their names are not going to be brought up again this off season. So um, things like that. Then, of course, the offensive line, you have extra capital, you have extra uh, capital in both picks and uh, salary cap space. So something to think about there. And uh, coming in here, I want to talk about this a little bit. We had a question or a comment coming in here from DH3. Am I the only one who feels like Draymond Jones is highly replaceable? What do you think about this comment? And thank you for your uh, comment, DH3. I think Eric and I are going to disagree on here without uh, dunking on you. And you're right to your opinion. Um on this one, but uh maybe we will give you a different perspective here.
2: Um, interior pass rushers are incredibly hard to find, and he is tenth in the NFL in pass rush win rate, win, pass rush win rate among interior defensive linemen. You don't you you can't that's not easily that's not highly replaceable, that's not easily replaceable. Teams love to find these guys that can push the pocket on the inside, and while he is hit or miss against or boom or bust, I think is a better way to put it against the run. Um, you take that all day b- when he's getting you consistently five pressures every single game, and almost a sack per game. Like you, you take that the Boomer bust against the run. Dremont Jones is a great player on the defensive line. He's being really able to step up a little bit as a pass rusher because he has DJ Jones there on the inside to help cover in case he does over pursue a little bit, um, get upfield a little too much against the run. DJ Jones is reliable there as a run defender. So he just works extremely well with the personnel that they have, um, that they brought in with DJ Jones. And yeah, he just brings something that's just hard to replace.
1: Yeah, 100%. And Lord Liberty coming in against in a low 20 would not have secured Charles Cross. A pick eventually becomes a player. A pick does eventually become a player, and there's no guarantee um, that you would get a good player, let's say as it is in the low 20s. But uh, you do have a better chance the higher you are up the draft. And it's also, let's say you want more picks, that 20 could turn into a 40 plus a 2020 2024 second round pick uh, gives you leverage and the ability to move around and also young cost controlled contracts to build around, which the Broncos are going to be a little bit thin on after trading the draft capital that they uh, did the over last draft class and this draft class. So God, it sucks that we're in this position again to have to talk about the merits of trading a, probably your second best player on your roster right now in Bradley Chubb, but it's where we are. uh, Unfortunately, and uh, I think the big thing is we've seen this song and dance a hundred times. Uh, unfortunately, the Broncos right now, so far this season, nope, Monday night hasn't been played yet, uh, but I saw via Timo Risque uh, over on PFF, the Broncos schedule adjusted uh, EPA. They are the tied for the first best defense in football in EPA per play, even when it's schedule adjusted. So I know Eric's not as high on the defense as the overall metrics uh, indicate, but I'd say they're probably a top five, top seven unit. We'll see if they hold out. Uh, if they trade Chubb, it's going to take a dip, no doubt. But uh, the the defense, or excuse me, the offense is the fourth worst in the NFL. And that's even without having played a lot of elite defenses so far this season. So the Broncos, I mean, we're seeing it right now. The, the Arguably one of the best defenses in football, still sitting here at three and five. Can't get it done when your offense is that anemic. They probably need to get themselves some resources to figure out how they can improve the offense and uh, give themselves a better chance to improve that unit with the parameters. And the reality is, is that you're, you're stuck with Russell Wilson. So how do you build an offense that can be competent? Dare I even say good around Russell Wilson over the next three seasons?
2: Yeah. I mean, with the defense thing, it's not that I think they're a bad unit just to clarify here, because I've mentioned this multiple times and people think that I'm not just saying that they're terrible I'm not. I think they are a really good unit. I would agree wholeheartedly with top seven. They're just not top top five for me because they played like a top five defense against the Jaguars, um, whose offense. And Travis,
1: I see a lot of comments here. Sorry to interrupt. See a lot of comments about Travis Etienne here. Travis Etienne's having a hell of a year. And guess what? The Broncos are structurally living in a world where if the running back is going to make some big plays, good for them. Golf clap, everybody. Number one defense in pass uh, EPA per play so far this season. I think they're about sixteen or seventeen in rush. Guess what? In today's NFL, you live with that. Uh, if, you, if they're going to run the football, what? We, how much? Travis Etienne killing them gave up what? We gave up seventeen points. Cool, <laughs> good for them. Um, you live with that.
2: Yeah, and it's just that there's just pretty consistent breaks with this defense. A lot of it is against the run, which hey, it's as you said, this is a pass rush, passing world. So pass rush, pass defense. But there's enough breaks in this passing defense that's like mm, that just kind of makes you. You know, feel a little ill and unconfident when you go against you know yeah. the better quarterbacks of the world. Fortunately, they were able to shut down Justin Herbert. That's helped you know my uh, um, what's what's the right term here? My uh, optimism with his defense now. Um, it's helped me think. How, yeah, my, it's helped my perspective of him because going into that game, it was a thing of you didn't haven't played quarterbacks. I mean, Davis Mills is a terrible quarterback. Geno Smith—he's having a great year, he's having but a great I'm not. Year. I'm not. I'm not buying into the, the hype that he's suddenly, you know, some great quarterback. I'm. I'm yeah. just not. Yeah. Like, um, Davis Mills, Jimmy Garoppolo—yes, he helped lead that 49ers defense to the Super Bowl and everything. But there was a reason why they wanted to upgrade him. Yeah. Like he's not a good quarterback. He was more so carried by the scheme, by the offense around him, by the defense to that point. And Matt Ryan's cremated corpse was out there on the field for the Colts. So playing Justin Herbert, shutting him down helped my perspective a little bit. But there's still some issues with this defense. And it is a thing. I talked about this chat yesterday. They are an injury or two away on the defensive line, edge rushers, from being terrible. Yep. Like Their pass coverage, I think, is helped so much by their ability to get after the quarterback because they're getting such good consistent pressure that they have to speed up the reads. They have to get the ball out quickly or they're going to get hit
1: and some of that to, to to be fully transparent and give credit where it's due. Uh Ejuro Evero has been incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible in his ability to mock up pressures. The Broncos uh going into this week's game are number 1 in the NFL in third run uh third down pass uh pressure rate. The Broncos were first in the NFL in simulated pressures. They were also the first in the NFL in pressure rate on when they don't blitz uh, on third down. So that defense was getting after it. Uh, No, they have not played great quarterbacks. Nobody should be doubling this defense. The 2015 uh, defense, that would be stupid. Uh, The Bills have a better defense than this Broncos team. But this Broncos team has also not been fortunate or blessed uh, to play with a lead so far this season, really at all. I mean, you talk about how the pass rush has looked and whatnot, which I agree with you. They've been great uh, sending five guys a lot, simulated pressures, blah, blah, blah. I can't imagine what that looks like. Let's say this team is up by two possessions in the middle of the third quarter and they're like oh this other team now has to play aggressive <laughs> we haven't seen that for years uh, unfortunately but that's the uh the the reality of the nfl uh we'll see how it plays i'm not again not dumb in this defense but you also need to lean into the defenses so and i see some people talking in here about the run defense what do you make of travis Etienne uh, having a good game yesterday i really like a lot of the pieces on the jaguars offensive line i think that adding brandon scherf uh, has been good. I mean, coming into the game yesterday, Travis Etienne was leading the NFL in yards per touch. Uh, former first round pick. All it's kind of funny. I was not a big Najee Harris guy. I was fine with Etienne, and I really liked uh, uh, Jam- our running back, uh, Williams, um, uh, who got who got injured there. I was like Jamal Williams, no, um, Javante, duh. But uh, what do you think about the Broncos' defensive front yesterday? Who's the most to blame for the the struggles out there of Etienne getting those big runs?
2: Um, well, the biggest issue that I've seen with this run defense is Deshaun Williams. When he's out there, teams like to target him in the run game because they're able to bully him so much. Number 99. Number 99. Yep. Um, and then the linebackers and the safeties, their run fills have been, bad i mean it was got to a point yesterday jonas griffith hasn't been as good as we any of us hope this year he's been really bad coming downhill when he is able to take on blocks and shut it and make a play he does a good job of it when he hits the right hole he does a good job of it but he's just been so inconsistent with his reads a lot of over pursuing alex singleton too and then when alex singleton makes a read you can't trust him to make a tackle Mm -hmm. so those two yesterday they started rotating a little bit in and out on the series um between the two of them they played i think like um 36 snaps, I think, for Griffith, 18 for um, for singleton. So 54 of 72 snaps um between the two of them. Those those are two big issues with it. And then Kareem Jackson, he's definitely lost a step. He's not able to get his make his run fills as well. And that was something that Caden Stearns was struggling with a little bit too. And then when they did it's same issues as Alex Singleton. When they do make the right run fills, you couldn't trust those two to make the same make the tackle. And we're seeing that with Justin Simmons as well. So when you're getting past you know that those five, six yards. Which hey, that could be that's great blocking up front a lot of the time, anyways. Um, it gets to the linebackers and the safeties, and we're just not seeing it from them. And also losing um Ronald Darby has hurt the run defense on the edge a little bit too, because Damari Mathis is not nearly as I don't want to say not as physical. He's not as um well rounded when it comes to the run as Ronald Darby has been.
1: Yeah, no, you're definitely right. And uh, I want to make a point about the safeties as well. Um, In a cover six, uh, cover three world, one of the safeties that walks down, uh, can walk down, uh, pre-snap typically is the... So cover six is like a quarter, quarter, half uh, coverage on the back end. Your quarter safety coverage, they're typically responsible for that D-gap walking downhill. That's why it's pretty... The cover six can be vulnerable to a good rushing team. If that safety bites on the play action, there's a huge gap between the outside quarter uh, cornerback coverage and the half field coverage safety. And that's cream Jackson's world. Uh, most of the time coming down there or Justin Simmons too. I mean, he's been up and down since returning to injury. We'll just say it, call it as it is. Uh, but um, that area has been, I thought extremely vulnerable, especially with the issues, uh, as you mentioned from, um, uh, Jonas Griffith. I feel like Jonas Griffith, you're good. You're right about him coming downhill, uh, taking on blockers. I wish they'd use him, honestly, a little bit even more as a blitzer sometimes, given how big and long he is. But he just looks like he's not trusting things in fluid in space, uh, moving laterally, keeping square, uh, puts himself out of position. Not to the extent of like, you know, Kenneth Murray with the Chargers, where he's like completely over pursuing, but uh, just not confident in his flow.
2: And real quick, I know Caden Serns didn't play against the Jaguars. I was talking about when he was on the field, just in general. I'm talking when I was talking about the run defense, it was just in general over the season, yep. not specific to Travis Etienne. Just to be clear.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Andrew Lamp coming in here saying good morning. Progress, I guess. Happy for the win. Something to build on. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, uh, no doubt. Thank you so much, Andrew. Good to see you. We got Jelly coming in with a one ninety nine. Also saying top priorities in the draft, uh, and also how is Damari Mathis doing? Top priorities in the draft. How this team is set up, Eric, I'll give it to you first. Um, top priorities in the draft. We kind of talked about it already, but I think there are some sneaky ones as well.
2: Obviously, offensive line. I mean, you got to find yourself. If you're not getting Luke Wattenberg out there at center to see what he can do, then you need another center. Um, and even that's if one Luke... that
1: you have to pay, I, and you're talking draft, but I think that's one that you're going to have to toss money. I don't think you have time by the time that center and their rookie contract is probably feeling good about them playing it's going to be time to evaluate keeping Russell Wilson. So I honestly think the center position is one that I'm like paying money for this off season. Continue. Yeah.
2: And I definitely agree. And there's some really good quality centers that are set to hit the free agent market as well. Um, I'm just talking about this without, you know, yeah. perspective of who to sign priority. Because I, th- I, I think that um, guard is another position that you want to sign basically anybody on the offensive line, because offensive line could take a little bit of time to develop. So you want to go out there, you want to pay for guys that can come in right away and help shore up those issues instead of having to wait for them to, you know, grow and everything. But offensive line is one of the top priorities for it. I would write like to see them add another piece on their defensive line. I would like to see linebacker, tight end, because if especially if this coaching staff says and they want to run outside zone, you need your you need blocking from tight ends. They need to go find themselves an actual legit blocking tight end because they don't have one. Eric what Thomas and I to talked to be that.
1: <laughs> what happened?
2: He's just he hasn't he hasn't been good. It seems like so. I went back a couple of weeks ago and I was watching his tape from last year, and it seems like he slimmed down quite a bit. Mm. And like, and that seems to be affecting his play. So I think you want to add a blocking tight end. You definitely want to target adding not early in the draft, but a little bit later on, maybe after the draft, a couple running backs, help improve the depth at running back, help improve the depth at wide receiver because for as um As hyped up as this receiver depth has been, it's not showing up, Um, especially if you're going to look at, because I think even if they don't trade Judy or Hamler before the deadline tomorrow, I think that they're both going to be available after the season. So adding wide receivers, defense side of the ball, cornerback depth, safety depth. I mean, you can use depth anywhere because the depth was so exposed in the preseason.
1: And the other part of this, how is Damari doing? He's been a penalty machine so far this season. That was a concern I had of him coming out. Very aggressive and in position, just doesn't trust his position a lot of times and gets handsy. So he's going to have to clean that up. Uh, He's got another eight games here, I guess, to make a claim for the cornerback two spot going into next season. But top priorities also, you mentioned everything besides cornerback. I think cornerback's got to be way up there in this division. Uh, Offensive line is number one. But then after that, I might argue it's cornerback because Ojemudia obviously has not been out there at all that I've scene so they played
2: one snap yesterday
1: okay i my (laughs) my iowa senses weren't tingling so i don't even know uh the then mathis has been a penalty machine up and down like them as depth but you might need another cornerback out there as well especially because you can save so much money uh moving on from ronald darby maybe you can get a situation uh same with garrett bowles where both these guys got injured both of their contracts make them expendable to create some room maybe you can approach them give them a one year extension, raise the guarantees. And then you lower that cap hit tremendously. And you still keep the quality player there. Feel a little better about that approach with bulls than I do Darby, given the historical, uh, what we know uh, historically about the cornerback position, and how it can fall off like that at age and injury versus the offensive line. Typically you can hold on a little bit better, but uh cornerback's definitely a big one as well. I would like another defensive line piece that can develop. You do have those two rookies that you drafted though, that will have another year of development. So See about that one. Then, of course, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. Maybe even a wide receiver if Tim Patrick is not progressing like you'd hoped. But I think the biggest one right now is offensive line. Maybe, maybe a tight end, and then cornerback.
2: Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. And corner, as you said, with questions about Ronald Darby, Quan Williams dealing with injuries, the depth. Like you could definitely use additional corner help, especially in this day, in this modern NFL that we have.
1: Yeah. Yep hundred, hundred percent jetty splash coming in with a one ninety nine. Thank you so much, Jetty. And also we appreciate everybody in the chat saying, Hey, this is a pretty good duo. Eric and I, you know, we talk a lot. So we do have some natural chemistry here. I feel like Eric's dialed back a little bit on how much he roasts me on here. Maybe it's because I'm getting here in the morning show. You know, he's had the, uh, the sun hasn't empowered him yet. The photosynthesis hasn't taken an effect, especially in the winter out there in Alaska, but uh, we appreciate you guys so much for joining us today. It'll be Scott and I again tomorrow morning. Uh, no doubt. And uh, thank you so much, Jetty Splash, for the uh, for the contribution. Uh, we got Kathy coming and saying, Nick, don't say hold on with bulls in one sentence. <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, so the offensive line running back position. I guess let's recap this to Jaguars game. Again. We talked a lot about the trades here, Bradley Chubb, what it could look like going forward. I'm more interested in this Jaguars game. So what uh, what exactly went right in this game? And is there anything they can build off of going forward? Uh, that can maybe give them a chance to chip away, get closer to 500, and maybe be within shouting distance of the playoffs when we get into that home stretch.
2: Um. Well, with the run game, in, um, specifically, it's not a it's not a good unit. Like, no, it doesn't matter what they do, it's they're j- they're struggling up front from multiple positions. But cut away the dead weight in the running game, and that's the outside zone. Like, I know that's what they want this to be. You just don't have the movers on the offensive line to run it effectively. You don't have the blocking on the outside from the wide receivers. Cortland Sutton's your best blocker, but his effort of late as a blocker has been questionable at best. The tight end positions, hey, Hamler and Dulcich, they give tremendous effort. Doesn't always look pretty, but a win's a win there. But you need more from them. And you don't have the movers on the offensive line to get outside, cut out the outside zone, stick with the inside stuff. They had great, they've had good success all season long when they've run duo um stick with that stick with what works in the running game take the pressure off your offensive line from doing what they can't do especially when you especially with losing cushionberry i don't think cushionberry gets his job back even with healthy yeah. um i think it was trending towards him getting benched there was a lot of reports over the offseason that the there, there was some disagreement on who was they wanted as a starting center between the majority of the people in the broncos building and who russell wilson wanted um and Glasgow is seems to be that the guy that that's that's who they they're going to stick with going forward, um, just because what it can do. He's not a guy who can move, like he just isn't. He wasn't really a guy that can move when they brought him in. They brought him in for ins- inside zone for power gap stuff. So stick with what you can do. That's what that's what Bradley Turner does best. That's what Quinn Miners does best. Stick with that. Help cut out the dead weight in the running game, and then stick with the simplified passing offense. Just because when you have a offensive line that you can't reliably trust when you have a quarterback that you can't reliably trust to consistently make the reads that are needed to give him one or two reads high low reads even if you don't aren't moving the pocket you can still do that and see success and that's what we saw on yesterday's game especially that 98 98 yard touchdown drive it was a lot of just making simplifying the reads making one read and hitting that hitting the open receiver that's what it was
1: and Colin Wood coming in and saying, "Why were the Broncos so stubborn about replacing Uh Eric, do you have any insight on this as well? I think I know where this is going to go. Um, maybe somebody having more influence on personnel than they probably should. Am I uh, correct in yes insinuating that? Yeah. So uh, somebody on the Broncos' offense, the idealized quarterback of who they want. God, I just gave away the idealized player of who <laughs> they want to be versus probably what's best for them, and that was one of the reasons for the tension in Seattle. Hashtag maybe Pete Carroll was right. Uh, but so we have Cushionberry injured, hoping for a speedy recovery. I mean, by all accounts, sounds like Cushenberry is a really great, intelligent, nice dude. So th- I'm going to remember him writhing in pain for a bit. That sucked. Um, unfortunate uh, Cushenberry, com- or, excuse me, Glasgow comes in. The offensive line looks better. You are already without Cam Fleming. I thought Billy Turner had an okay game. They tried more screens uh, with Billy Turner out there than we'd seen all season with Cam Fleming. Uh, but the run game took a, I thought the run blocking took a massive step back on the outside as well uh, with besides the Jerry Judy one, but that's kind of a trick play. That's not your classic outside zone. Um, So I guess I'll, uh, what I'm getting to is here is uh, what do you expect the offensive line makeup to be going forward? We've already talked about the center position. Cushion is probably destined for the bench going forward. Glasgow might be your answer for the rest of the season. I guess until maybe let's say you're out of playoffs. Then I'd like to see Wattenberg out there just for the evaluation aspect of it. But uh, We have Reisner's been in trade talks Uh, with the Cushenberry injury. Maybe that doesn't happen now. You have Cam Fleming potentially coming back. Tom Compton is practicing again. You have a bye week now. Is there going to be a mix-up? Is there anybody that we should be looking out for uh, going forward?
2: So with the Lloyd Cushionberry injury, despite all the talk of Dalton Reisner, and from what I've heard is some of the offers for Reisner, or not necessarily offers because I don't think there was actually a formal offer made, but the talks around Reisner were much better than i i would have hoped for but it seems with the Lloyd cushionbury injury they don't want to add sh- any shake it up anymore because it was now you have now you have glasgow at center and you don't have the ability to move him at guard maybe if they're confident tom compton will be back up the bye week because there was a i mean all the chatter was tom compton was brought in to compete at guard or be, compete at right tackle sounds like he was more so there to replace dalton reisner at left guard um tom compton yeah tom compton replacing dalton reisner um, so that's definitely an option depending on when they get um, Cameron Fleming back because it does not sound like they want Calvin Anderson out there on the field. Who so had an if, okay game? In he, he did.
1: Pass game. game. Run yes. game. I yeah. agree. okay. Uh, which
2: which is unusual because normally it's flipped from Calvin Anderson. Normally does a little bit better job in the run game. That's what we saw last year against Dallas especially. So, I mean, there's definitely options. I don't think that the offensive line we have now is what's going to continue to be for the rest of the season, even like not factoring in injuries with that. Um, I think when Cam- Cameron Fleming's back, and they do expect him back at some point, you're probably looking at him back, taking over at left tackle, Anderson moving back to the bench, Compton, basically, um, Cristiano's right right here. This is what I would expect it to be when and if they get Fleming and Compton back healthy.
1: And I know that we're complaining about the offensive line and talking about trading starters is not great, but Reisner's been struggling so far this season. Thought he looked better once Glass guy was in there, but uh, if you can get a mid day three pick for Reisner, who this seems like this team has no interest in retaining. I do it. I mean, you're talking, if you trade Chubb, then I don't see any reason why you should keep Reisner as well. Uh, You talk about the depth of the offensive line, but you can probably go out there and sign a street free agent offensive line that at least can come in and give you snaps or claim somebody off a practice Mm -hmm. squad. I think Austin Schlottman's still out there with the Vikings. Um, I saw his name yesterday watching that Vikings game and you have Wattenberg and Natani Moody uh, as guard options as well. So I don't, I don't think the Cushionberry injury should keep you can keep you at all from trading Dalton Reisner if there's a good deal out there.
2: I, I agree. I just don't think that's the, the Broncos would agree with that. Because for me, even trading Dalton Reisner, you hit the two on the head is you don't have to you don't have to just get Luke Wattenberg out there at center. You can get him out there at guard because he has that versatility a little bit. You can get Natani Moody out there who yeah, you can deal with some issues in the passing game, but maybe that's what you need to get your run game going because he does such a good job as a run blocker. So, and of course, maybe having somebody like Glasgow next to him can help out Moody, um, taking a little bit of pressure off of him, because even last year when Moody was in, they were still dedicating help to Lloyd Cushenberry, um, something they've been doing since his rookie year. So you have other options. If you're still willing to trade Chubb, as you said, you got to be willing to trade Reisner, especially if the deals are better than or the talks are about something that's better than expected.
1: Yeah hundred percent. Well, guys, before we get out of here, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to do this and I lost it uh, when my internet pooped out. And it's been good since then. So thank God. I don't know what happened there, but got to make sure we get this one in. Broncos country, if you're like me and you're increasingly getting more concerned about your cyber crime with people stealing your private data and invading your privacy, uh, make sure that you're checking out NordVPN. I'm not tech savvy at all, but that's why I use NordVPN on all my browsers, whether it's the desktop, tablet, laptop, phone. VPN stands for virtual private network and with NordVPN, they protect you as a one-stop shop for all things cybersecurity. It's incredibly easy to use, which means I don't have to be an MIT graduate to figure it out. With just one click, I'm protected. It's very intuitive to use, and you can put it on all your browsers. Uh, With NordVPN account, I can have up to six devices protected. I no longer have to worry about hackers, malicious sites, pop-ups, which sometimes on some of these streaming networks Uh, you need to worry about Uh, for the price of a single cup of coffee per month. I have complete peace of mind knowing that my devices and data is protected. Also with NordVPN, I'm never a slave to the media blackouts. I can switch my virtual location to a market that is showing an NFL game that I want to watch, which being in Seattle, West Coast games, I almost never get the Broncos games. Uh, So that is very helpful. Uh, So that way you don't miss out and you can watch all the live action. Broncos country, make sure you grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash MHH to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four months for free. Uh, again, that's 30 days, uh, money back guarantee. If you use our, uh, NordVPN.com forward slash MHH, uh, to register for an account. So appreciate you guys so much. We got Ethan coming in here big time. Uh, man, love it. 50 pounds starting to get the, uh, currency signs correct here. So that's great. Uh, good shows, gents in Broncos country, Ethan, I'm a little jealous you and Scott going to hang out yesterday, but, uh, Hopefully you showed him a good time and uh, hopefully he was uh, having a good time as well. I'm not sure how Scott's reaction was to that uh, Falcons game that followed afterwards. Hopefully you guys got somewhere you could watch that. What a hilarious game uh, that uh, Panthers kicker missing those uh, those kicks. Honestly, probably better for the Panthers long term to lose that game. Uh, But Eric, we're at an hour. Any final thoughts before we uh, wrap it on up here and uh, continue on with our Mondays?
2: Yeah, um, Bama's ex says people are usually good at doing their job once they aren't worrying about whether somebody's doing their job well enough. That's how I feel every Friday night, and that's why I love joining these other shows, man. Oh God,
1: gotta get. Just to kidding.
2: I, I, I gotta I gotta take a shot at Lance. It's tradition for me to take a shot at either your Lance, depending on whose show I'm who I, depending on who I'm with. So gotta take a shot at Lance.
1: Well, I'm gonna go take a shot at myself. And uh, no, not, whatever. Uh, make sure you guys are following Eric and I on Twitter. Eric is at Eric trickle. I'm at Nick Kendall, MHH. Also make sure you're following us at BFB underscore pod. And of course at mile high huddle, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you're joining our Facebook communities at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. And as the ticker says underneath, make sure you're subscribing, liking and sharing over on YouTube. Uh, that's probably the number one place you can uh, find us out there. We got shows, after the games, before the games, seven days a week, uh, coming at you guys live and uh, you guys make the shows. I mean, joining us in the chats, uh, obviously the super chat, superstars are extremely helpful, but just, you know, the conversations that we can have with you guys, a lot of familiar names, sometimes some new names as well. So we appreciate you guys. If you have any questions for us, like I said, make sure you hit us up on Twitter. We also got Cristiano coming in here saying, great show as always, appreciate much, go Broncos. Uh, Absolutely. Go Broncos. Indeed. Make sure you guys keep choosing compassion and kindness. Victory. Monday. Make sure you enjoy it. That's only the second one of the year because we won a Monday night football game. Maybe. I don't remember either way. Victory Monday. Make sure you enjoy it. Uh, You guys have a great day. Happy Halloween. Go Broncos. (laughs) Victory Monday. Make sure you enjoy it. That's only the second one of the year because we won a Monday night football game. Maybe. I don't remember either way. Victory Monday. Make sure you enjoy it.